Hi guys, I'm your host, Rebecca Hidalgo Reigns, coming to you from home, actually, instead of the studio at Lister Pros. This week, I wanted to do a quick little emergency video. I don't know how much of an emergency it is, but the headlines last week portrayed a picture, I know, hard to believe, that's not true. Um, They're talking about how the builders can't build any more houses in Arizona because we're out of water, which is not the case, but the headline was really misleading. So I wanted to have our experts back on our show. Uh, I couldn't get them together at the same time. So the first half of the show is gonna be Katherine Sorensen over at ASU. And then the second half will be Gary Hicks. And he used to be the president of the Arizona Well Association. Both of them are very well-renowned authorities when it comes to water in Arizona. And I wanted to make sure to bring them both to you to bring you the truth about the situation here with water. Hope you guys enjoy the shows. Hi, I'm Rebecca Hidalgo Reigns, and you're listening to Grateful Heart. I started this show to help educate my clients on the real estate market, and it's evolved into so much more. I found that I love talking to people and I love learning new things. While our expertise is still on the health of the housing market, we want to focus on the health and the well-being of our listeners as well. More specifically, where we reside in our hearts, in our minds, and in our homes. The biggest purchase in our life just isn't a house. It's where we raise our children, start a new business, pray for our loved ones, and follow our dreams. It's even where we listen to our favorite podcast. When we are successful at home, everything else just falls into place, and we are so grateful for that. Home is where the grateful heart is. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, guys. I'm your host, Rebecca Hidalgo Reigns with Grateful Heart TV, and I have Katherine Sorensen over at ASU talking to us about nothing other than water. And the reason why I asked her to talk to us about water, and she's our now three three times on our show. Welcome, Catherine. Hi. Uh, thanks for thanks for including me. Yeah. No, I'm super excited. I mean, obviously, you've been on our show a couple times already as our water authority, and seeing you get quoted last week with ABC News. I had to have you back on because all anybody ever remembers is headlines. Yeah. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to share my screen and share that headline that we have. Let's see. I had it up and ready to go. There it is. And so you just got quoted and let me quote you because this is kind of the whole basis for our zoom today. Um, you were quoted as saying it closes off that path. Mm-hmm. said Catherine Sorensen, director of research at Kyle Center for Water Policy at Arizona State University. Yeah. And then they went on to explain because the rule largely affects cities and towns outside Phoenix and larger cities in the metro area. Sorensen said developers would likely weigh whether they want to continue to buy relatively cheap land and incur the cost of developing a whole new water supply versus purchase land that is probably more expensive without the boundaries of a designated city. And so basically the title of this that caught my attention, I'm scrolling back up, drought, water overuse, prompt Arizona to limit construction in some fast growing parts of Phoenix. Yeah. You know, and, and that's like a lot to say in a very small thing, right? And so my issue when we see stuff like that is all people remember is drought, Arizona, bad, you know, right. they don't remember anything beyond that. And yeah. there's more to the story. You know, there's so much more to this story. And, you know, unfortunately, that headline is a little misleading because we did not, in fact, limit construction. Uh, What we did is we limited construction that is based solely on groundwater in very specific areas of the Valley of the Sun. 
Okay. And, so can we talk yeah. real quick? What are those areas? Because I know in the news recently, we've had Rio Verde. Is right. Rio Verde one of those areas affected? No, it actually is not. So it, specifically, it in let, let's actually talk first about where it, it does not impact because that, that's okay, probably good. a little easier, like that big picture does not impact the city of Phoenix, does not impact the major cities of the Valley of the Sun. Okay. With, with the exception of Queen Creek and Buckeye. Um, that's where all the builders are right now. That's where all the builders are right now. Mm -hmm. um, so it really generally applies on the fringes of the Valley of the Sun, mainly in unincorporated areas. So you know what's funny? I read that quote. And yeah. you know, there's a quote that I've heard for the last 30 years being in real estate, drive until you can qualify. Have you and, heard that quote before, Catherine? Of course. And, and you know, I, I'm personally proud that uh, our housing stock tends to be more, more affordable than other areas, you know, in the country. And, you know, hopefully we can maintain that. Absolutely. There's a need for affordable housing and developers are following the market, right? They're, they're driving out to the fringes of the valley and building developments there that are relatively more affordable. What this means um, is that they will have to, they can continue to build in those areas and land you know, is cheaper out there, but they're gonna have to weigh the cost of that with the cost of having to acquire a non-groundwater supply to continue to build in those areas. So non-groundwater supply. Okay, time out real quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's a mouthful right there. What would non-groundwater supply even be? Because you know, yeah. So there are options, um, but but none of them are cheap or easy, right? Yeah. So for example, um, the town of Queen Creek uh, is looking at acquiring water rights off of the Colorado River in Western Arizona, and then okay. transporting that water, you know, into- So hauling it in. Well, not, yeah. I mean, they'll transport it through the CAP canal, so yeah, basically, so that is an option um, that uh, people can pursue. I know that the town of Buckeye is looking at options as well. Um, they can also potentially import uh, groundwater from basins that are in the far western part of the state. Okay. Um, you know, they can look to increase use of reclaimed water, um, desalination of wreckage groundwater, there are options. They just tend to be more expensive. A lot more expensive. able to rely. Yeah. Than being well, able to rely on groundwater. And that does negate to your point that you made in the article is it negates the builder's desire to go in those outskirt areas. If the land is going to cost them so much more to develop the water rights and exactly. it gives that hundred year assurance, because it's the whole thing is being able to guarantee somebody that for a hundred years, you'll always have water. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And so I, I do think this has the potential to change the pattern of growth. I think growth will absolutely continue. People love our, you know, the quality of life that they find in Arizona. It's yeah. so beautiful here. Our climate is wonderful. It, you know, people, our economy is strong. People are going to continue to move here. Um, but it might make developers kind of take a second look at developing infill projects yeah. on more expensive land, right? That's exactly they, what I was If they thinking. do that, they don't have to, you know, like literally this announcement does not apply in those areas. So if so, they do that, they don't have to develop their own water supply. 
if a builder wanted to do an info, which a lot of the info did go away after 2013 picked back up because that was kind of the thing. Like even the builder I've represented for 10 years, he was all about getting all those infill pieces that the builders never mm-hmm. finished during that last downturn. Um, so what I'm envisioning is probably like every other metropolitan city, we're going to start growing up yeah. instead of out. If yeah. we have to stay at the builders are going to need to stay in the cities, they're going to probably do more teardowns and, mm-hmm. you know, build higher rise buildings that you see in a lot of the other, if you will, older metropolitan areas that have um, you know, they call them skinny ladies in some cities, you know, the yeah. big tall Victorians and things of that nature. This is what you do when you don't have much land. Um, so that, that I did start off asking about Rio Verde, because I think what happens is we even had a client, believe this or not, who was looking in Gold Canyon. Mm-hmm. And then they claimed they saw an article that said their Gold Canyon had no water for the um, 90,000 people that lived out here. And I think we checked and there's like 7,000 people that lived out <laughs> here. Um, so again, people only remember headlines and they usually don't even remember the headlines, right? But it yeah. was enough to scare them off of Arizona. And yeah. so I think, you know, when you hear constantly something about the Colorado, something about Rio Verde, something about this, you know, it just kind of turns people off. And I am so mm-hmm. grateful to you to actually help demystify yeah. You know, what is the situation? So somebody moving to Arizona, if they stick to one of the bigger cities, they have nothing to worry about. And no, I also no. noticed in the article, it talked about how the 80,000 homes that they're mm-hmm. still already approved to build with water assurance certificates are already still going to happen. So it's not like yeah. they're going retro, stopping any developers. We're not in that kind of crisis because that's, that was my big question. Like, okay, I grew up in California in the seventies. I mean, I'm dating myself. Okay. But <laughs> I do remember like you only flush the toilet. Sometimes you didn't water your grass and God right. forbid you washed your car during that time period. Right. So if, if we're in such grave situation, why is our government here in Arizona not advocating for more water conservation on TV? Like, do you happen to know the rhyme behind that? Or are we really not in that dire straits? So it, it's it's a little of both. And, and let me talk that through. Yeah, we're not in dire straits. And in fact, the uh, governor's announcement is a strong indication that we are managing our groundwater very sustainably for the future. And, it, you know, our assured water supply program, basically, it functions as a consumer protection act. Um, it, it means that people can have confidence uh, to invest in our economy and to move here because, if you, if, you know, again, if you develop or, or purchase homes within the boundaries of a city with a 100 year assured water supply, you know that the water is there. So it, it's really a consumer protection act. One of the reasons that you don't see uh, mandatory restrictions regarding water conservation, like you're describing in California, is that for the most part, the cities here really, when it comes to conservation, they play the long game, right? So they they try to implement proactive educational strategies, you know, rely on uh, water rates to kind of influence people's behavior. They they really, for the most part, avoid those types of restrictions for two reasons. One is that Phoenix is held to a higher standard when it comes to water supply than any other city in the in the nation, right? Why, Why is that? Because we're in a desert? desert and and you know the east coast media you know they're people who live in temperate climates they they just don't understand a desert lifestyle and to them it's weird right (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah but so we're held to this higher standard and so 
you know, the minute that Phoenix or some other city implements a a a mandatory conservation requirement, the media is going to go nuts. And yeah. and look, when you implement mandatory conservation requirements, you're sending and, and then uh, subsequently um, rescind them. Right? You're kind of sending a signal that. Sometimes you need to use water wisely and sometimes it's okay not to. And I think what the cities would rather do is educate people so that they understand this is a permanent condition. If you're going to live here, you need to always use water wisely. I don't disagree. And honestly, you you mentioned that they want to utilize maybe the cost of water to help influence people's behaviors. I got to tell you, Catherine, I've lived here for 30 years. I don't think I've ever seen a water bill over hundred bucks ever, yeah. ever. So in my thought is like, well, gosh, if, you know, if we're really that dire, which obviously it sounds like we're not, then our bills should be more than a hundred dollars for any given household. If water is that like scarce of a commodity, which we know in the grand scheme of things, anywhere you live, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. Okay. So I do want to rewind again to Rio Verde. And the only reason I keep okay. hanging it up is it gets it gets confused with so many other areas. And I know it's such a specific situation. And I know you told me last time we talked, they had been warned for many years, this was coming. And unfortunately they didn't act fast enough. So can you share with us what actually happened in Rio Verde or what's going on today? Sure. So the media likes to portray Rio Verde as if they lost a water supply. And and that's that's not the case. Rio Verde never had a water supply. (laughs) Um, Rio Verde basically took, the developers there took advantage of a loophole in our 1980 Groundwater Management Act to um, subdivide land in, in few enough lots that the assured water supply requirements basically did not apply. So, so they, they basically found a way to get around the assured water. got around it. And now those poor people didn't have any kind of guarantee. There was no protection for them. There was no protection for them. They were always relying on the city of Scottsdale's standpipe and water rights. They never had their own infrastructure. They never had their own water rights. And yeah, you know, it's unfortunate, but they, they were warned, you know, that, you're not going to be able to rely on someone else's infrastructure and someone else's water forever. Um, that's not to minimize the hardships that some of the oh, families no. are feeling. Well, um, yeah, because they didn't know. They just they, knew they, it was hauled probably if, if Scott still couldn't do it, you know, that they were going to have yeah. to haul it. But yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, Rio Verde really never had a water supply to lose in the first place, unfortunately. And, and so they're kind of the anomaly, if you will, in our area, so when people yeah. hear about it, it's not that the whole state's out of water. Because I think that's just it is the media so trained us to clickbait and we only pay attention yeah. to headlines that are misleading to begin with. Yeah. Um, I do have one question because I don't know why this bothers me now. This is my third time talking to you. And I, I don't know why, but farmers I know use most of our water or mm-hmm. majority. You, yeah. you educated me on that. Why would we, and I know commerce is, you know, we want to benefit our folks that, you know, work hard in Arizona, but why would we be okay with alpha, if I'm remembering correctly, being the one crop that takes like the most water Mm -hmm. and let people farm it here in Arizona, taking up all of our water, but then shipping it off somewhere else for use. That to me doesn't seem very fair. And I'm just curious what the rhyme or reason behind that is. Well, you know, the, look, the, the farmers, for the most part, were here first. Yeah. And, 
I, yeah, I just, and, and along and, and along with uh, the Native American uh, tribes who were here even earlier, right? And the way our, our Western water laws work is that um, those who are here first and put the water to use first have the higher priority water rights. And so for the most part, the farmers in Western Arizona um, and the Indian communities enjoy the highest priority water rights. And, and it is their property right. And, right. and it is, you know, they are allowed to, to do what they want with their property right. Um, I, I know it is upsetting that uh, farmers grow alfalfa and, and hay and, and other and cotton and other crops for export. But I, I think it is important to keep in mind that basically every product that is manufactured uses water also, right? I know the chips at Honeywell and the Microsoft chips, right. take a lot of water too. Okay, exactly. So we kind of have to think of it in those terms. But to your to your point, um, I think because the Colorado River is over allocated, because we're putting limits on certain kinds of growth on groundwater here in the Valley of the Sun, I think there will be more and more pressure to go out and enter into arrangements with farmers who have the higher priority water rights and either, you know, pay them not to use it through fallowing or like Queen Creek is doing actually trying to purchase and transfer those water rights in. So I, I think you will see more of that um, as time goes on. So I have another question, but I have a feeling it may be more appropriate for our second guest, Gary Hicks, our well master. I don't know, the you know, past association president of Arizona. He's got so much information when it comes to wells. I'm going to throw this at you and we'll see what Gary answers when I It'll be like out. a quiz because yeah. he can grade me on whether right. I got it right. Um, so this is my question. If somebody wants to build their own home anywhere here in the Valley mm -hmm. and maybe there's a well, is there mm -hmm. an issue with them building their own house? Cause I know you mentioned Queen Creek, you mentioned Buckeye. So if it's a single yeah. guy, you know, is, is this ruling targeting just developers who are doing multiple projects or just the single guy too? It, it mostly targets developers doing large projects, but there are limitations on an individual family drilling their own well. And, and there's two that really matter. One is that you are, you are allowed to drill your own well. It's called an exempt well. It can only have a capacity of 35 gallons per minute. Okay. Um, and, and I want to warn people, you're not guaranteed to hit water. And, and, and drilling wells is not a cheap undertaking. So you're, you're taking a huge financial risk. Um, but, um, the other is that there are restrictions such that you're not allowed to do that if you're within, I believe it's a hundred feet of a municipal water line. Okay. Cause we don't want to see, you know, a ton of exempt wells out there crisscrossing the Valley when there's a water supply right next door that is already assured. Well, there's so many little pockets of like, well, they'll call them County islands, yeah. Where you have, you know, the acreage where they could do well or city water. Yep. Usually it was originally well, and they're trying to get people to switch over to city water. And so you see those properties pop up. And yep. so that's why I was kind of curious, like, well, gosh, I, I understand the developers, you know, doing a master plan. When in fact, which our world is so small, you know, last time you and Gary came on, um, a property came up that Gary had just researched. And then lo and behold, I end up interviewing the same developer that had hired Gary, who was not happy that Gary told him, sorry, dude, this isn't going to work for you. And he had to find another water source. And uh, we're talking over in Australia Mountain. 
Um, so, it, you know, I, I do know that that is actively happening even before this mm-hmm. news alert last week. So I was just curious to like, what are families options if they wanted that house and they really yeah. want to just buy a lot, could they just go build it or would they run into issues most likely? You know, I, I gotta tell you, I would not recommend it. I, th- I think you're taking a huge risk. And, and I dealt with that a lot when I was the director of the city of Mesa's water utilities, because there are some County islands Northeast of Mesa that are on wells and I'll tell you those wells fail, right? Or they run dry or or the neighbors who are all sharing a well suddenly start fighting with each other. And then what happens is, you know, you don't have an alternative and you're coming to the city and the city's like, oh, sure, we'll serve you. But, you know, that's going to be this many tens of thousands of dollars to, to extend the, the water too. lines. And so honestly, I, I think it is less risky to tie into a municipal water supply every the areas okay fair enough yeah. so we'll see what gary says i'm gonna take a quick commercial break and we're gonna come back and we're gonna say goodbye to Catherine right now but we're gonna say hello Bye. to gary after the commercial break and thank you Catherine, for joining us and helping us um you know share the knowledge because it isn't so scary out there it sounds like it's a lot scarier than it really is and i'm glad that now you kind of took away some of that fear by helping people understand, don't pay attention to those headlines about water in Arizona. It's still a great place to live. Come on over here. We got plenty of water to go around. Thanks, Catherine. We'll see you next time. If you're looking for a mortgage, you need a personalized plan, not a click button, get mortgage option. My team and I have saved families thousands by proactively planning their home purchase or a refinance. Buying a home is a huge decision and it deserves a strategic approach. My team and I provide a comprehensive mortgage plan, including a complete credit analysis outlining the steps needed to improve your credit score and help you qualify for the best rates and terms in the market. Visit us at tkteam.us today. We'll ensure you get the best guidance so you can make the best decisions. The TK Team, moving you forward. Hi, I'm Rebecca Hidalgo Reigns with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and I've been selling homes here in the Valley for over a quarter of a century. I want to say that experience truly matters. So when you're looking for a realtor to help you either buy or sell your biggest purchase of your life, I hope you'll consider using me. My experience doesn't matter near as much as my clients. So I do dare you to Google me and I promise you'll see nothing but fantastic reviews because I really do truly care to help navigate you and your family to the very best experience you'll ever have with buying a home. Have you been thinking about buying a new house or refinancing your existing mortgage? Interest rates are still around historically low levels. Why pay a higher rate when you don't have to? Call Joe Smith, me, at Epic Mortgage LLC, 602-741-4121 for a free mortgage quote or pre-qualification. Epic Mortgage LLC is a locally owned, independent mortgage brokerage that provides low-cost options for its customers. Independently owned means low overhead, so you get the best rates, fees, and service. Keep more of your money. Brokers are better. Realtor recommended for over 20 years. Contact me, Joe Smith, at Epic Mortgage today, 602-741-4121. Whether purchasing a home or refinancing, we know you have choices when it comes to choosing a title company. Navi Title Agency is the leading source for all title, escrow, and marketing needs. 
With access to the largest title insurance underwriter, Navi Title facilitates successful closings and protects clients from fraud. Creating solutions that save time and money for everyone. Ask your realtor or loan officer today about using Navi Title on your next real estate transaction. Navi Title Agency is locally owned and operated in the state of Arizona. All right, guys, we're back from commercial break. And boy, was that a long break. It was so long that Miss Catherine changed a little bit. Just kidding. Welcome, Gary Hicks. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough. Now, this is our third time having Gary on the show, as well as Catherine. Uh, the last show that the, these guys did, they got to do together. This time, we could not get our worlds to collide. So, Gary, you get to finish the show. Um, and then we'll have to go back and figure out that question I asked Catherine, because now she's going to want to see if she got her answer right. It had to do with digging wells here in the valley, from what I remember. And since you are our well authority, I know you can speak to that. Yes, you're making eye faces at me for those who are just listening. Um, Gary Hicks of Into Wells. And um, if you haven't seen our past episodes check them out. His bio is beyond impressive when it comes to being an authority, when it comes to groundwater and digging wells, Gary is it for us here in Arizona. Welcome Gary again to our show. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Good to be with you again. Good to have you. So Mm -hmm. the reason why I asked for this little emergency episode was because Catherine was just recently quoted by ABC news talking about the most recent, um, I guess, news, if you will, from our governor's office regarding groundwater and developers here in Arizona. And the issue we have as real estate professionals is so many of our clients these days are bombarded by media that they barely remember the headlines. And usually those headlines are very misleading these days, sadly, in the news. So what the headline had to do with was it made it sound like there was no more water and no more houses could be built here in Arizona. And as a real estate professional, I take huge offense to that because I know that's not the case. But I was hoping my water authorities, Catherine and Gary, would be so kind. And Catherine already enlightened us to a degree about um, the situation here in the Valley. But you know, there's nobody like you, Gary, to talk about where we've been and perhaps where you expect us to go when it comes to groundwater here in Arizona. Well, I could say, you know, that um, from the perspective of a person who's been involved with the obtaining of groundwater through those sources, wells and so on, we have been watching it. Plus, you know, being a groundwater scientist, um, I'd have to say that some of us have been seeing this day coming for a number of years. Uh, and I, I'll tell you why, because, you know, the, the Air, U.S. Geological Survey, the uh, Arizona Geological Survey, the U of A uh, people, researchers and so on, and, and some of us groundwater scientists have been monitoring and measuring and talking about um, these the the pumpage that's been going on. And and we understood from the beginning that if the demand on the resource exceeds the natural recharge, sooner or later, you know, the aquifers are going to become depleted or certainly stressed. Time out real quick. You just said a big mouthful, Gary, for those people who are not um, hydrogeologists, scientists, and have your level of education when you're talking about not being able to recharge the water source, my husband actually just, you, you met James. Um, he just asked me the other day, he's like, 
well, can't they just put water back in underground? And I'm like, well, I don't think it works like that. So when you're talking about not recharging the water source, you're just talking about like, once we use that water, there's no way to put it back. Right. Isn't that what you mean by that? Well, no, well, not quite. Uh, when I spoke just then about recharge, I was referring to natural recharge. Now in a okay. basin like Phoenix and Tucson, there's surface water flowing in from the rivers and it sinks down into the ground okay. and recharges the aquifer, you know, from the top down. And then underground, deep underground, mm -hmm. there's groundwater in mass that has been moving into the basins and out of the basins for years. I mean, water runs downhill. So right. it, from high level to low level. So there's natural recharge taking place, both from surface water and underground water movement. So James's question wasn't quite so silly then. I'm sorry? Asking if there, I said James's question wasn't quite so silly then, asking how do we get water back underground if, you know, to replenish our water sources? Well, for, for the first, I don't know how many hundreds of years, or not hundreds, but years of pumping, decades of pumping groundwater in the Arizona air basins, we didn't have any artificial recharge, but once we, uh, 1980 or so past the uh, Central Arizona project, we began importing surf greater amounts of surface water artificially into these basins that were being depleted. And that it, basically it was recharged into specific areas where we had the room to store it, where the water table was already quite deep. We uh -huh. generated basins and soaked the surface water into the ground and brought the water tables back up again. And some laws were passed you know, regarding that. So there, there's artificial recharge and natural recharge. And, and okay. initially- So there, talking, there is a way to do it then. That, and that's good to hear that once we use up our water, there's not a way, there's not, not a way to put it back if we could figure out where it no, would come from, right? No, we are we are reach artificially recharging the aquifers in the you know greater Phoenix area in, in the Tucson area. We've been doing it for quite some years. And then um, other places around the state are doing the starting to do the same thing. So we can get it as long as there is a uh, water source. To, to get it from. Support. Yeah, to, to take from. And of course, you know, with the comments about the Colorado River and the extended drought, that there's been a lot less surface water to recharge. I'm glad you brought up the Colorado River because that is definitely in the headlines and has been for the last few months, especially. And I actually got in the conversation with Catherine when you get to watch the first half of the show, asking her, and her opinion, and I actually was surprised and really liked her response. What she said to me, I said, hey, how come it's fair for these alfalfa farmers who are using up all of our water to do that and then ship off the alfalfa somewhere else? I'm like, it doesn't seem very fair for really in dire straits. And she corrected me on a couple points, A, that we aren't in dire straits in Arizona, and B, she kind of gave me the people here first got grandfathered rights and that goes towards our native american reservations and our farmers and yes. so i'm curious about your opinion on the same on the same topic 
Well, those things all complicate the issue of where we're going to get the additional water that we need. But what I was starting on initially was a statement that I think we saw, you know, as I know when I first looked at it back in 1980 or so when the Management Act was passed, was that the, the natural recharge uh, and in Tucson, we didn't have surface recharge, but the, the rate we were using water was drawing down the water table. We were re depleting the aquifer that was in storage, and we weren't even mm -hmm. thinking then about putting it back. Once we figured out that we need to do something about it, had the Central Arizona project to obtain water, then we started putting it in right away. But the, these other methods and things that we talk about are, are what uh, steps the, the state has taken in order to defer or delay the, the moment that we got to, at, you know, just recently with the, with the temporary halt, or at least perceived halting of major new big developments until we get something figured out of what to do. And, and I applauded her in, in a letter that I wrote in January this year that, you know, for taking the steps that she said she was going to be taking. And uh, there were a few more things that, that are of special interest to me that I suggested she look into too, but th those haven't come to fruition lately. But what I think we're missing, what we haven't got to yet, is a discussion about the highest and best use of groundwater. We've, we've talked about that in other areas. This speaks to what I just asked you, right? I mean, honestly, yeah. what's our highest and best use and what's the fairest use if we're needing to worry about limiting our amount of water that we're using in Arizona? Because one thing, Gary, we both know is people keep coming here to live and it's a great place to live for lots of reasons. However, water is definitely a concern. Well, I, what, and what I would suggest that, that for, you know, say for discussion anytime is you take a look at the uses of groundwater in our state. And if you look at a municipal, agricultural, industrial, domestic, you know, you can see that the very biggest share of that, the, the one that is has the most room for shortening would be agricultural use. And there, there's where maybe, or there's also the need to maintain, you know, riparian habitats and preserve, you know, certain water features and so on for right. recreation. So we have to have some water for that. So it's a complex issue. But um, agriculture, with, I think I said on the first show that what, what I am concerned about is the extensive use of groundwater to, to grow nothing more than alfalfa. Now there may be a few other crops I could mention in there too, but I, I know we need it for the animals that, that rely on that. But um, when the alfalfa is grown and then shipped somewhere else or out of state or even out of county, then you know th those are the problems that that's the area where we need to look into the most. Could we prioritize where certain crops are grown, where the water is a little more obtainable and back down on those crops that aren't so valuable? If, if we rated crops as the benefit per thousand gallons of water used, that might be the way to 
prioritize. And I love that idea. Like what I had said to Catherine on the first half, I said, you know, I grew up in California in the seventies and eighties. Yes, I'm dating myself, but I have such memories of, you know, not being able to water the grass and not washing our cars and, you know, only flushing on certain occasions because, you know, water was a big deal. And in fact, I remember our bills were really expensive if we went over our allotment for our family. And, you know, there's no talk of anything like that here in Arizona. In fact, I don't think I've ever had a water bill over hundred dollars in the 30 plus years I've lived here. Mm. Um, so to me, it just seems really, I don't know, it, it, for the news and the media to make it sound like we have no water yet, there's nothing in place that's making us, making us, you know, um, I guess monitor our usage more. So it's just really surprising, like where's the disconnect and what Catherine's um, take on it was, was that, you know, it'd be actually because so much of the country looks to Arizona being in a desert and all the things that we do here to make sure that we preserve our water as much as possible. She said that it would actually be really um, short-sighted if we put those things in place because the rest of the country would then even assume worse that we didn't have water when in fact, it sounds like we still do. So my magic question for you, Gary, is if somebody's thinking about moving here, do they have valid concerns that they could buy a home and end up with no water? Well, I don't think they should be that concerned. Now, you know, the regulations and the, the procedures that we have in place, especially in the active management areas where the, 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 um, well, the, the cities are mandated, the public utilities are mandated to reduce the average per capita consumption. And, and we have been very successful at that. I, I, I know from my experience working for Tucson Water, we were able to reduce it just by making people aware of it. That is always a good thing they're, they're, they're to save water. If we reduced all the municipal demand in the state to a much lower number, we still could be long-term stress if agricultural is still consuming the same amount of water. And I think I said, well, I know I said this somewhere that agricultural people, the, the growers, the farmers, they have done made tremendous advances in reducing the water because it helps them save money if they don't have to move so much. But right. there's still an out of balance there with proportion of who uses the amount. And it's going to be a long-term issue down the road where we just simply wouldn't have water. It's just we need to use less water all along the way. And we've been Absolutely. very successful using reclaimed water. So that, that helps save. Well, you right. mentioned the letter you sent to our governor before this had come out with the latest, with the developments. And it's interesting, Gary, last time I interviewed you in person, we talked about a particular developer here that you had just recently done a study for. And lo and behold, he ended up on my show. I think his, his show is going to air this next week. And I messaged him asking him about his project to see if the latest news affected him because you had discovered, I believe, that there wasn't an, an assurable source he had to go out and find that assurable source. And just to kind of re, I guess, state what Catherine had said, and it was really interesting because we talked about Rio Verde. 
And she said, well, that's where the assurance certificates are so important because the Rio Verde guys, they were told for years and years and years, but they went around the water assured uh, certificates with like, I guess, like a, if you will, a caveat or something. And she said that they're really there to protect the public. And it sounds like there's still 80,000 homes to be built yet that have those certificates in place. 80,000 homes is a big deal for us because right now we only have 12,000 on the market here in the Valley. So to get 80,000 more anytime in the near future would be huge for us. So I guess at the end of the day, it just sounds to me like these media sources tend to make alarms where alarms maybe don't need to be. I don't know. What's your opinion on the whole topic, Gary? Because I know obviously you're very passionate about water. So in your head, you might think that they should be screaming louder um, some of these alarms, but perhaps the titles could be a little bit less misleading. Well, no, I certainly agree with you that most of the media uh, works as hard as they can to sound the alarm and to beat the drum and overstate uh, things uh, to be far more critical than, than what they are. Now, along my line, personally, I've been, I've been saying that so much about water quality because it tends to scare the people and to think that you know, a little bit of this or a little bit of that is going to be bad for you. And of course, my primary interest has always been in the private water well area. But the a lot of the maybe even private well owners in Rio Verde are having a tremendous problem because there are places in the state of Arizona where you can drill wells and try to get water, but there's no water there. So there's areas where water has to be imported. And that means it has to come from somebody else's bucket. So that's that's what's going on. And, and they certainly do fl- uh, fan the flames of the fire in, in trying to warn people. And I know how that hurts the prospective buyers. You remember, I, I've been close yeah. to real estate you know the latter part of my career here as a water well inspector yeah and transfers to real estate well and the thing is is that and that was a question that's why i wanted both you and Catherine to speak to it you know the the article that she was quoted in spoke more to the developers you know coming in and doing master plan communities and i asked her well what about the single family that just bought a lot here in the valley you know, can they go drill, drill their own well? And that's, I think that was the question I asked her. And she's like, oh, that feels like a trick question. You know, we better ask Gary that one. Well, yeah, that's it. Now, going back to what you said about the the developer that I was involved with uh, a year or so ago, that um, that that was hard for me. You know, I, I as a groundwater scientist and consulting to the developer, I thought, well, you know, all we had to do was drill the right well in the right location and do a good pump test. And that would prove that the resource was there. But then geology came in and we found out that the depth of bedrock was shallower shallower than anticipated in those areas. And that prevents you from having the uh, 100-year assured supply that the people need to go ahead with new developments. So there's water there and those people in that area can still maintain their their lifestyles and so on. But adding another 10,000 homes just wasn't in, in the car. Right, 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 right. 
Well, and, and that's, that was interesting to me because he did figure out another source. And I think he had to go to a neighboring town to have them agree. And he got those assurances so that he could move forward with this project. Um, and, you know, that's somebody who's trying to do 10,000 homes. And that's where I was wondering, well, gosh, somebody's coming here and, and their concern is, well, gosh, well, can't I just drill my own well? What are the issues behind that, Gary, and draw in drilling your own well? Well, I say that the first thing about, you know, can I drill my own well is the question has to be asked, is there water beneath my land? You know, and so you right. and I know many cases where that is not the case. And um, right. or it, uh, there may be some water there, but it may not be a very good quality. And so you'll have to, to treat it. Now, just want to jump back just a quick second to the overall future water uses and, and where we may get some more. We, I, I just mentioned the word reclaim water, and I know that we're using that for a lot of things, some golf courses and, yeah. and anything else that can parks and, parks and recreation. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of recreational uh, facilities are, are supported uh, with that. But what about consuming reclaimed water? You know, that, that may be That's something... A- that's in the cards. And a lot of people don't like to think about that, but really, I'm sure there's treatments that can happen. Actually, one of my other guests is a scientist as well. And her job is to desalinate the ocean water to try to figure out how to give people drinking water. So I guess if we could take salt out of water, we could probably take all kinds of other stuff out of water too, huh? Yes, you can, although it requires two things, you know, money and energy. Uh, Sounds and, expensive. Uh, and then the other, uh, the salt, you know, uh, especially seawater ha- mm-hmm. has a, a lot of byproducts. So you'll have to think about, you know, what are we going to do with the salts that we re- remove, you know, where uh, reclaiming water and treating it to drinking water standards if we if it was potable water to begin with, but then contains a few byproducts and contaminants, maybe those can be removed on the uh, atomic or nuclear scale, and then uh, without the heavy salts that are in seawater. It's and such it's a long, it's a ways away from Arizona, isn't it? Oh, I am. Mean, it is. It is, and it's such a complicated topic. I really appreciate you coming on to talk with me, Gary. I promise you next time you come to the Valley, we're going to have dinner or lunch with Catherine because she said she really wanted to do this show together. And um, I'm definitely going to have to have you both on together again in the near future because I don't think the water issue is going away anytime soon. We do live in a desert. And I love the the reminders from the two of my water authorities that, you know, even though we're in a desert, we're actually sitting pretty good. It's kind of the oasis in the desert, is it not? Yes, uh, you know, and I'll be happy to come down to Phoenix anytime we can get together with, with anybody, Catherine, or any, any of your other guests. You know, I find the shows very interesting. Well, thank you, Gary. I hope our guests do too, our, our viewers do as well. Thank you for being a guest again, and we will talk to you another time. Take care and enjoy your day. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you. Oh my goodness, I just adore both Gary Hicks of Into Wells and Katherine Sorensen over at ASU, the Kyle Institute. Truly the biggest water authorities we have in the state of Arizona. Um, And they are so kind and generous with their time. The last episode that we had was episode 120 with the two of them. 
check out their bios. They're super smart, super impressive, and they both love water, study water, all things water. And the wonderful thing about both of them is they're happy to talk water anytime. So if you guys have any further questions we didn't address in our episode today, shoot me the question. I'm happy to reach out to them. At the end of the day, we do live in a desert here in Arizona, but there is plenty of water for all of us as long as you do your homework and making sure you're buying in the right place. Let me know if you need any help with that. And as always, I hope you enjoyed the show. What a great show. And thank you for joining us on our mutual journey to becoming unharmable and successful in all of our experiences while we're here in this school of life. We hope you enjoyed it. If you watched us on YouTube, please like and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Likewise, if you're catching us on one of our podcast platforms, be sure to follow us so you never miss out on another one of our shows again. Remember that if you ever have a question about real estate or any of the other topics we cover, check us out on the web, www.gratefulheart.tv, for all of our links to connect with us. I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hey, 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 I'm on vacation every single day, every, every single day.